1: looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: Which moves into sober-minded, which means that you're not silly, but you're also not uh, somber and always down in the mouth. So you're sober-minded, balanced-minded, of good behavior, able to teach, To be able to teach, you have to be teachable first, so you have to be open to be taught. At the same time, you have to be willing and capable of communicating it out. Not given to wine, that comes from the Greek. That means you're not beside the wine barrel. Is that you're not addicted to any form of addiction, particularly in this context, wine. You're not violent, You're not greedy for money. Money isn't bad. It's the love of it or the greed for it that becomes bad because it'll twist your thinking. And later on, you're going to find out that elders are really responsible for a lot of the decision making with the funding. They don't do the collecting and the counting as much, but they do decide on the distribution of it. So they have to be careful with their money, they have to be gentle. Remember, he may be a bishop, but he's kind of giving you a a zinger here by saying you also have to be a shepherd, which means you're gentle. You're going to have some lambs that are there that are young, young in the faith, those that are broken and hurting. So be gentle, not quarrelsome, not quick to pick a fight. Not covetous, that means you don't want something that doesn't belong to you, other ministries, other jobs, other positions, anything. One who rules his own house well, how do you do that? You have your children in submission with all reverence, particularly those that are living in your house with you. Why? Because if you can't take care of your own little church at home, how can you take care of the church of God? Not a novice, not someone who just got saved. And it says, less being puffed up with pride. In other words, you're raised to a position too soon. The last part of it says, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. The word outside is outside the faith or outside the fold. So in other words, you have a good reputation in the community. Those are the character traits that we all need to have if we're going to be in a spiritual leadership role. Now let's go to number three, the ministry responsibilities. Well, you need to know what is the job description of pastors and elders and overseers. And so what we do, and churches should do this, is they should take the Bible's job description for a pastor and put it on top of the job description that the church wants the pastor to do. Now, it doesn't mean that the church cannot have him do other things in addition to what God has for him to do, but the primary responsibilities will fall on what does God have him do, and so the other things will not bleed his energy away from what God wants him to do. The job description for a pastor, the template, is a little bit broader than that. Number one, they are to oversee the work. Paul spoke to that. It's interesting. Peter was nearby. He also heard it. And then he wrote a letter and he also said that they had to be an overseer. So there seems to be uh, an emphasis not only on shepherding, but also on overseeing. So it's overseeing the work. Now, particularly, it's going to focus on the disbursement of finances and and resources. Now, it is in that way as a literal illustration. Let me take you back in Bible days. There was a tremendous famine in the land during the times of Caesar. And during that time, the believers, the disciples, they were without food and they had tremendous needs. And there was another group of people that heard about that and they collected money for them. And he read it to you. It says, after they heard about the famine that went throughout the world, it says, Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea, where that famine was as well. This they also did, but here's what they did. They sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So the elders took this from Barnabas and Saul, and the elders then we can only take it to the next step, disperse that funds in some measure. The second responsibility was to pay attention to their own spiritual condition. The verse says, Paul now is speaking to elders, and he says, Therefore, take heed to yourself and to the flock of God. That's Paul speaking to them. He said, take care of yourself and the flock of God. That is huge, people. And the reason it's huge is because ministry, we are often on the front lines of spiritual warfare with you in your life. And because of all of that, spiritual warfare will cause a great deal of drain upon us. That's the name of the whole thing. Even Paul said, the more I love, the less I be loved. And so he could have got doubt in the mount. But if he didn't take care of himself and get all the love from the Lord, he could never love back again. So the point being is, because of that, he's saying you need to take care of yourself first. So what I've encouraged our staff is that they put the study and, the, and prayer of their highest responsibility taking care of themselves. They're going to go right and be alone with God one day a month to be able to do that so that they can fill their tank. And folks, what you should do is encourage them to do that and more so. And when you hear that they would be awake, you pray for them as they're awake. And that while they're there, they're lying down prostrate in their heart before God and letting the Holy Spirit, the candle, go through their life. Is there any sin that's there? Anything that they need to grow in? Anything they need to work on? That they would do that in their life. Take heed to themselves. Now, if elders are to be a model, what are they a model of? The same for you. You dads have a flock. It's your kids. Take time away to be alone. For us to one more time remember that he is the great chief and good shepherd, and we're nothing more than an under-shepherd, and when we get away, we're allowing God to work in the flock. Number three, pay attention to the flock. His responsibility is the flock. Now, that is important there. The flock means the relationships. Uh, Later on in Proverbs and other places, you're going to see that he's required to know the state of the flock as well. What's the condition? All right, number four, shepherd God's people by feeding them, by feeding them. It says, take heed to shepherd or feed the church of God. Now, the reason I put feed in in a little bracket there is because sometimes the word shepherd will come across with the idea of feeding. Sometimes it's just shepherding them. And so it's kind of used together. So a shepherd is the feeder. All right, now here's what I'd like to say about that. When when we have elders here, we have shepherds on board. Their primary duty, besides taking care of themselves, is to take care of you. How do they do that? Listen carefully. They're going to feed you and they're also going to pray for you. Now, when they feed you, the feeding will be maybe publicly through a pulpit ministry. Sometimes it'll be through facilitating a small group study. Sometimes it'll be one-on-one. They are also going to provide others that have been equipped and qualified to help feed you. But ultimately, they're the ones who are responsible for the truths that's being disseminated. So let's go to number five. All right, he talks about feeding the flock. And then it says here, warn and guard the flock. he says, warn and guard the flock from wolves, which would be enemies, not real literal wolves, kids. These are enemies, people that act like wolves, enemies within and outside the flock. Would you circle the word within and outside? That means there's going to be wolves that'll come from the outside that'll come in. And then there'll be those that are already on the inside. It says this, Paul saying to the elders, for I know this, that after my departure, he says, when I finally leave you guys, savage wolves will come in among you. Underline the word will come in. He didn't say might come in. He said they will come in. In the Bible days, they did not have internet. They did not have DVDs. They did not have radio, Christian radio, Christian TV. So they just had to be concerned about the people that might be passing their flock that would be outside coming in to give false doctrine. Today, I can't... Listen to everything you listen. I can't watch everything that you watch to warn you. So the best I can do is not to be your Holy Spirit. He says, not sparing the flock. Nobody's going to be spared. Also from among yourself, men will rise up. That means even in our midst, you could be sound doctrinally. You've been poisoned from the outside, but you're inside already. And you now are speaking perverse things. What are you doing? To draw followers after you. We would like to say it this way, to divide the church. It becomes you against the pastors. And then it says, therefore, watch, he's saying, He says, now you watch and you remember that for three years when he was in his midst, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And you know what? As I thought back over that, I'm thinking, I may be teaching truth. I might teach you right, but sometimes I need to maybe ramp up a little bit to warn you when there's a speaker that comes from the mainland and he fills the Blaisdell Center. And as good as they might be, but how off they could be theologically to warn you of that. But now I got thinking. Why is it so hard for us to warn people? I just think that it's the nature of the beast today. How many of you, when it says warning, box jellyfish, and you're looking at the beach, and people, some couple are running off the beach to the lifeguard stand because they got stuff stuck all over them. I'm just saying the warning signs were there and they didn't do it. It wasn't because it was a law. There was no policeman there to stop them. There was just a warning says, don't do it. But they did it anyway. We already have the propensity to do what we want to do, believe what we want to do, think the way we want to think, regardless of what we might hear out there. And worse, almost when someone says, don't, that's a challenge. That's like, okay, we're going to fight that and go against all of that. And so since society is like that, it is so hard from the pulpit or from a Bible study to get up there to say, please, don't get that tape. Don't listen to that guy. They've got some truth in there, but there's some poison, but we can't always... So stay away from that. It's mostly dealing with false doctrine, but it's anything that would draw your mind away from Christ. So our job is to warn you. I pray that when I do warn you, that you're convinced of my love for you, first and foremost, my accuracy of the warning, and that when I do, I dip my arrow in honey as I shoot with as much aloha as I can to you. All right, number six. Our responsibility is to pray. That's our job description. I know we're all supposed to pray for one another, but it's not so much as a description for you as it is a requirement for us. It says it is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables... But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. And I could say a lot about serving tables. That's the physical part. There are people that should be stepping up for that. And we're praying that other guys will say, you know what, we love our pastors so much, we're gonna take the bullet for them and we're gonna take as much off of them as we possibly can. So we can release them to do the things they need to do, which is to teach and warn and all these things. And in this context, to pray for us. Notice what it says here, I will continually pray. Then he says, so now brethren, I commend you to God to the word of his grace, which was able to build you up. And when he had said these things, What did he do? He knelt down and he prayed with them. We are to pray for you, but we are also to pray with you. Number seven, study. In the same context, this is the prototype of elders and shepherds, overseers, but we will give ourselves continually to. First part said prayer. Second is the ministry of the word, and that would be all aspects of it. The study of it, the preaching of it, the teaching of it, the writing of it, the communicating of it, all of that. So we're going to give ourselves to the word, and we need to have our time to do that. Number eight, preach and teach the word. It's good to pray for you. It's good to have truth, but it's also important for us to get that truth out, put it on the table for you like food. So here it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. That was spoken to the pastor of Ephesus, which was at that time, Timothy. It says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, double honorarium, double pay. I'm so grateful for the way you take care of Dennis and me, and I'm grateful for that. But it goes on to say, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So we're to preach and to teach the word. Number nine, this one is called equip the people for ministry, involvement, and leadership. You see, it's not just so I feed you the word. It's so that you now can add value to other people. So we're taking it to the next level. So we're to equip you. We do that through the ministry of the Word here. We do that when you come by our office and we begin to mentor you on how to do church work, how to help build up the body of Christ. If you'll notice, we have dream team meetings. You know, we do those dream team meetings because it's our responsibility to equip you. That is not the only way, but it is a major way. And so if you don't come, we can't equip. And so God says for the church to have joy, then we need to follow that. So we need to be equipped. To be equipped, we have to learn these things. To learn these things, you have to have a pastor, or pastors, I should say, that will help do those things. So together that's harmony. All right, number 10 is to manage and lead the flock. Now, follow along as I read this to you. It says here, the, and by the way, this is Peter now picking up from Paul who got it from the Holy Spirit, so they're all now getting it from God. It says the elders, so circle the word elders and put the word, words mature models above that. I'm making it simple. The mature models who are among you, I exhort. He says, shepherd the flock of God. We're going to use the word mentor there. Shepherd would be mentor, feed truth to you, which is among you. Serving as overseers. In this case, you could put the word minister as manager. So we are to model. We are to mentor. We are to minister by manage. And then it says, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but we should do it eagerly, wanting to do this. Nor as being lords over you, but to be models again to the flock. It's not about title. It's all about modeling. It's by being an example. And if it says don't lord it over them, that's also talking about being a minister or a servant to you as well. Beautiful combination of all those terms together. And I left number 11 for last, and that is to visit, pray over, and anoint the sick and weak when requested. And I don't know, but we do pray for you. Some of you have asked us to anoint you. I will tell you that it's your, it says here, is any among you sick? Let that person who's sick call for the elders of the church. So it's more where you're sick, and when you get sick, at a certain stage in your sickness where you sense you want to be anointed with oil, you then request the elders to come. It didn't say elder, singular, elder is plural. And then it says, let them pray over you and then anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And another part of that same context is also confess sin. So we're all coming in together. So those are our job descriptions. Now let's go to number four. How do you find and what do you do about ordaining them? So we call it their examination or their appointment and ordination. How do you get these guys to become elders? How do you do it? Now, this part, I want you to know, is relatively simplified. I could go over qualifying, how much Bible, should they know Greek, what do they need to be trained in. I will do that for those of you that would like to ask me on a more personal basis, because that's more practical. But for right now, I wanted to go through Scripture. How did they find these people? I've got to take you back to the Bible days so that we don't go so far from the Bible days and what they were looking at. Back in the Bible days, if you'll remember, the church got started. And when it got started, there was a lot of committed people right from the very beginning. Committed meant that they met regularly. They were studying the Word. They were growing, forsaking sin, making the sacrifices. The Spirit of God was growing them. And because it was exploding so rapidly, they needed to have more, we call it, uh, organizational joy. They put some people in position to be leaders. Now, when they chose those people in leadership, they just didn't pick them out for popularity or for power. They picked them out because they had qualifications, they had character, and they had commitment. Now here's where I'm going with that. It doesn't not necessarily mean that that person was absolutely 100% perfect. If you go back to the time in Scripture, you're going to find where one time Titus was called to go to the island of Crete. island of Crete was an island made up mostly of pirates there, swashbuckling pirates. They came to faith in Christ because of the great ministry that was done there by other people that were before Titus. And what ended up happening, the guys were really growing. So he said, out of that group, look for guys that fit the qualifications. Perhaps that's why the qualifications are restated in the book of Titus. Just one more time to look at it. But he still said, take out of that group. Now, let me take you back. You mission people in here. That's why when you go to a foreign field, some of those people that might be elders in your church may not be at the same level intellectually that some of the people here in the mainland or who might be in, in uh, I don't know, some big cities. But at the same time, these are people who've got great qualifications, have a heart turned toward the Lord. And most important, they are filled with the Spirit of God. There's a power of God on those people. And that's what we're looking here. So it doesn't matter what your background was. I don't care what your ethnic group is, how really intelligent you are. You ought to be able to make sound decisions and stuff like that. But it doesn't mean that you've gone so far to Bible college. On the other hand, you do need to know accurately Scripture because the point of an elder is to refute false doctrine. And you've got to be able to know it accurately to be able to refute the inaccuracy. So let's go to number one. They are to be examined. So it's not just whoever signs up for it. It's not a popularity contest. You might make a recommendation of who you think might have the hand of God in their life, already fits this, they've lived it out among you, and you might recommend that person to be a pastor. It might happen very well. That person then needs to be examined. Their life needs to be examined. Their heart needs to be examined. Their calling and commitment need to be examined. It says here, moreover, this person must have a good testimony of those outside Then it says, but let these also first be tested or examined. Don't lay hands suddenly on anyone. Number two, they are to be appointed. I'm staying away from the word ordained because we don't see that word a lot in scripture as much as we see that God does the ordaining and man does the appointing. So God is the one who empowers this person, prepares this person for ministry, character, commitment, all of that. But at the same time, it's the church who recognizes the hand of God on that person's life. They've lived it out. They see that this person fits those uh, dynamics. And then we publicly appoint the person that God has already ordained. Now, let's give it to you here. They are appointed. It began with an apostolic appointment. The apostles started the ball rolling by searching out the guys who had become elders. Not deacons, that's another deal next week. This is the elders now. They are the ones, the first people to appoint the elders. Then we saw that at times different individuals could do that through the local church. But here's the point I want to end on is this. I would like you to look at this verse. It says here, Therefore take heed to yourselves, to the elders, and to all the flock of God, here it is, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. You've got the idea of shepherd, elder, as well as overseer, all in one verse. But if you'll notice, it was selected by, appointed by, picked out by the Holy Spirit. If you will look at the applications here, At the very end of this, I've given you just three things for you to do so you could take something home from today's message. There's a lot you could take home. Some of you men are now thinking, I don't think I could ever be that. I thought the same thing until I said, you know what, I'm a bondservant of Christ. If God wants me to be an elder, I'll be an elder. I'm ready to step up. I'll take whatever he wants me. I want to be as far and go as far as he wants me to go. So you may be there too, but it's going to be a journey. So here's your action step. Number one, I will spend time getting to know and value my pastor elders, those who labor in the church and who feed and lead me. I will do that. Now, if you don't mind, let me uh, open this up for you to make an application. There is a, a massive majority of you that know Pastor Dennis, and you value Pastor Dennis, and I sense that uh, you, you pray for Pastor Dennis. There's another growing majority that know me. He's been here, so maybe he's here 12 years now, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the numbers here so he'll know more than than you and I will know. On the other hand, there's new people that have come in in the last two years that know me better than they know him, and that's okay. The point of the matter is that you get to know those who labor among you, and frankly, we are your overseers at times, but we have to do it humbly as your shepherd and your model, so we work together. Get to know us. Dennis likes Ruth Chris. That's a great place for you to take him if you'd like to get to know him. I'm just joking. I am not giving you that point and I'm speaking for Pastor Dennis because we feel you don't love us nor value us or that you don't spend time getting to know us. In fact, you invite us to so many things we don't possibly have the time or the energy to go to every little thing you invite us to. So your hearts, we sense, are already doing that. But two things. One, there are still some of you that have not opened up your heart and got to know us and what makes us tick and tick and what we're sensing God is doing. And a good question for you to ask us sometimes is where do you sense God would want us to go? You're to be the person who provides us with a direction and also um, an example, but help us, get to know us. And then secondly, I'd like to say this, as God raises up from amongst, there's always gonna be a new elder in our midst that you won't know as well as you know Pastor Stan and Pastor Dennis, and I'm teaching you as a flock that God wants you to get to know them and to value them highly in love for their work's sake. That's something we need to do as a team together. We get to know the flock, you get to know us. Number two, I will pray for my pastors and elders. And I put the two together because they're the same, but you could talk about pastors. I will pray for them. We are not sensing that you have neglected to pray for us. We don't know if you've been praying for us as much as you should, as deeply as you should, that we would understand our calling, the power, the temptations that come our way in all different areas, and that you surround us with prayer because as we are strong, you will be strong because as, as we feed from the Lord, then we can lead you. And so pray for us. And if you want to know what to pray for us on a personal, intimate basis, let me know. Call us, talk to us. we will be glad to tell you. And number three, this is a very hard one for me to share because I do not want to be misunderstood. But as your shepherds, and because we are called to be your overseer, that you will follow us. You may not always agree with us. You may not always um, feel like the timing is even right. You will speak to us. Don't blindly follow us. Lovingly give us a perspective to make sure we've thought it all through, we've seen all... We do, we we value that, we need that. And if we don't do that, then we're lording over you. and, And we've disqualified ourselves. But sometimes you're going to have to let us fall down and make a mistake and then lovingly put your arm around us and say those very painful but often spoken words. What would they be? I told you so. But just know how much we really love you folks. Now for those of you who are our guests today and you're hearing all of this, I want you to know that this is coming from a Bible that you can trust that simply tells you that to go to heaven, the only thing you need to do is to trust in Christ alone. And if you do that, you'll have everlasting life. The Lord says that God loved you, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him, going all the way back full circle, that if you believe in him, not believe about him, but you, believe, you trust in him as the Lord who died and rose again, you come to him as a sinner, not as someone who's changing a life to go to heaven, but someone who has broken and fallen. And you say, Lord, I go to you for the full forgiveness of my sin. He will blanket you with his blood and his forgiveness that he has already shed for you, so to speak, 2,000 years ago. He rose again from the dead to confirm his victory over death and Satan. And by your simple childlike bit of faith, like a grain of mustard seed, we are counting on him alone to forgive you of your sins. You have everlasting life. Oh, your life should change to say thank you for what he's done but that's not a requirement to get into heaven. He says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. Call upon him right now because you don't know when your heart's gonna stop beating and it's all over, it's done with. Trust him right now, will you? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's all go to the Lord in prayer. For those of you who are pastors here, Maybe we have a guest pastor in our midst. Maybe those of you on the radio that are pastors listening to our program. Maybe you're listening to a CD that was given to you by a loved one right now and you're a pastor. While these people are now thinking, I'd like you to now go over this material, go a little bit deeper. There's a lot more than a 45-minute message can give to you on this. But I would encourage you, my friend, step up to the calling, fall on your face before God, and be what God wants you to be. Probably the definitive work for pastors was written by a man by the name of Richard Baxter, a Puritan pastor. And he said this, he said, "'Take heed to yourselves, pastors, lest you live in those sins which you preach against to others, and lest you be guilty of that which you daily condemn. Will you make it your work to magnify God, and when you've done, dishonor Him as much as others?' Will you proclaim God's governing power and yet condemn it and rebel yourselves? Listen, pastors, he's speaking to us. Will you preach his laws and willfully break them? If sin be evil, why do you live in it? Take heed to yourselves, lest you cry down sin and yet do not overcome it. Lest while you seek to bring it down in others, you bow to it yourself and become its slaves. So we pastors, let's step up by falling prostrate before the Lord and loving him. And now for the rest of us, would you now pray for your pastors that we would be modelers, mentors, ministers, mature managers that care for you. Father, we pray this so you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.